0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada commits to sending more artillery to Ukraine. Through military aid, economic
1: assistance, humanitarian aid, and strong political support at international forums, Canada will continue to have Ukraine's back.
0: Quebec's government adopts a contentious bill overhauling the charter of the French language.
1: I know of no linguistic minority minority that is better served in its own language than the English-speaking community in Quebec. We are proud of that. And we are also proud to be a Francophone nation in North America, and it's our duty to protect our common language.
0: And Pierre Poiliev calls on the federal government to temporarily scrap gas taxes.
1: I've had friends tell me that they're actually unable to afford to go to work. And that blows my mind. Like, you can't afford to get to your job to end up broke by the end of your pay period.
0: Yeah, no. It's Wednesday, May 25th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. Let's start with the fact that Canada is sending more artillery to Ukraine, and this is the latest in a series of announcements that we've seen over weeks now, months even, uh, of continuing support. Uh, But I think a lot of Canadians are wondering, what else can we do? And and also, how long is this going to continue, this military conflict? Uh, There are a lot of people speculating about what it would take to bring this to an end, how... Uh, the international community could put more pressure on Vladimir Putin, whether there are other options at play here. And I know a lot of people feel very powerless about what's going on. So even as Canada provides more help, I think there's a broader question about what the end game is.
1: Well, ultimately, Mark, uh, this war will end with politics, uh, as they all do. Uh, I mean, it's rare in our age to see one side or another completely vanquish the opposition. You know, uh, Usually there has to be some kind of political settlement, but we're very far from that happening now. Uh, I mean, I think both sides, from hard to tell from this distance, of course, but both sides appear to think that they can still prevail or still achieve military goals, um, which they would then hope to retain through any future round of negotiations. You know, there's no negotiations going on now, but um, obviously I think the world community, whether or not they're saying it um, uh, clearly or not, uh, anticipates this going on for quite some time. And uh, I certainly would, given the pattern of other conflicts. Uh, 20,000 rounds of ammunition, $100 million worth of ammunition is is one of the ways that you signal your acknowledgement that this is going to take quite a long time to uh, uh, to play itself out. So uh, Canada is just one of the countries uh, that is sending um, this type of weapons to uh, to Ukraine. And um, they're hoping to balance out the, uh, you know, the, the two military sides. But uh, it's a long way to go on this one, Mark.
0: All right. Let's turn to uh, Bill 96. Uh, Kind of interesting timing. We can talk in a moment about the fact that uh, conservative leadership candidates will be participating in a French-language debate tonight in Montreal. Uh, So we can come back to that in a moment. But on the eve of that, the provincial government in Quebec adopted the controversial legislation aimed at protecting the French language. They voted 78 to 29 in favor of passing the law. Um, and there, there are plans to challenge it in court, obviously, and and this is the latest chapter in this story. Uh, and there are there continue to be concerns about English language rights, minority language rights in in Quebec. But Premier Francois Legault is is saying uh, he he's not worried about that. So how do you see this playing out?
1: This is a uh, qualitative. Change in the long-running story of uh, French and English uh, language rights in Canada, and especially Quebec. Uh, I mean, this bill does, uh, well, further uh, enforce the dominance of French within the Quebec society. Um, It further erodes the status of other languages in Quebec, uh, but it also... um, you know, acknowledges or or recognizes uh, this uh, ability to essentially amend the Constitution to assert that the French uh, language or the Quebecers uh, form a nation within the country. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a really dicey constitutional situation, but, you know, with the use of the dreaded amen- uh, notwithstanding clause in the Constitution, it, it's almost... I think legally bulletproof, pretty close to it. I don't know what the lawsuits are going to uh, result in. Probably not much, actually. Uh, The notwithstanding clause is a powerful uh, part of the Constitution, and this is exactly the kind of thing, uh, this law is precisely what the opponents of the notwithstanding clause uh, warned of way back in the day in, in 82 when the Constitution was passed under the first Trudeau. So, um, you know, this is a tough spot for the linguistic minorities in Quebec, but I don't see any type of broad opposition to it outside the uh, the francophone community in Quebec that would actually make any changes. So uh, it, it's uh, this is the way Quebec is going. It's been going this way for more than 40 years. And um, this is just putting um, some edge on the knife uh, from the Quebec government point of view.
0: Yeah. All right, let's turn to the debate tonight. Uh, The candidates for the leadership of the Conservative Party will debate in French, although only a couple of them are comfortable in French. Jean Charest obviously was born in Quebec, was the Premier of Quebec, and Pierre Poilievre uh, is bilingual. Uh, The other candidates... uh, Are are not as comfortable in French. So, what do you expect from this debate?
1: Well, uh, I mean, given the timing of Bill ninety six passing just you know yesterday, um, you know it it's going to really be the ball is really going to be in Jean Charest's court because after all, he is the former premier of Quebec. He has been dealing with these language disputes his entire political career and uh is by far the most knowledgeable uh and the most and has the most nuanced points of view on this uh on this issue i i, I mean but we have to remember mark i mean uh, this french language debate is really only taking place to uh, win over um you know voters uh, uh, conservatives i should say in quebec um it's not going to have a lot of relevance outside the province i don't think pierre poliac's uh, supporters i mean Polyev's french is is perfectly fine and we'll get him through the debate without too many trouble uh, problems but um i don't see um anything changing uh you know in the broader conservative race coming out of this um this debate, the other candidates are going to mumble and stumble and uh, and become incredibly awkward, uh, you know, it's it's a tough thing to watch, but um, this is between Polyev and Chavez, the broader uh, race is, and um, it's going to leave the others looking like further, uh, sort of also rands even more so than they are now. So, uh, you know, it, it. but will it have much impact on the broader Conservative uh, leadership? race I, i'm not sure that it will uh, uh polyev is not even appealing to uh, uh people outside um that that debate so to speak and uh, he's talking to a different constituency altogether
0: yeah all right and speaking of pierre Polyev, he is calling on the federal government to scrap gas taxes the taxes on gasoline as as canadians continue to deal with rising fuel prices and inflation uh he wrote a letter to the finance minister christia freeland about that um what do you think of that idea
1: well you know uh i'm sure polyev as an mp is able to expense most of his gas expenses uh back to the people of canada But you know, this is the usual type of politics. This is the most uh, predictable uh, part of the entire Tory, uh, you know, campaign so far. Is that somebody will take a shot at gas prices because the gas uh, price of gas is very high uh, right now, and everybody is frustrated. And this is one of those, uh, you know, pocketbook issues that every politician seeks to exploit. But um, you know. The gas taxes are not going to come off. It's not, the federal government is not going to do anything to encourage further consumption and further uh, greenhouse gases. Um, it is a very much populist type of call. And, um, you know, it, it's made strictly for political purposes. I think that's pretty clear. So, uh, uh, but such is the nature of politics, Mark.
0: Hmm. All right, we'll see what happens in the debate tonight. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, Mark. Well. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere.
1: I know of no linguistic minority minority that is better served in its own language than the English-speaking community in Quebec.
0: Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Montreal Gazette, Tom Mulcair argues... Bill 96's passage will be followed by holy chaos. Mulcair writes, The first big chapter of the Bill 96 saga has come to an end with the bill's adoption by the National Assembly. By a linguistic quirk, on the Anglo side, it will always be called Bill 96. On the Franco side, it will get a promotion to being called Loi 96. One way or the other, it's on its way to court, where it is likely to get eviscerated much to the quiet delight of separatists, who will see that as further proof Quebec independence is the only way forward. In the National Post, Jeff Russ argues the liberal Canada, loved by the boomers keeping Justin Trudeau in power, won't last. Russ writes, Despite stereotypes that old age turns progressives into ornery conservatives, the opposite seems true in Canada. Many polls suggest baby boomers are Justin Trudeau's most reliable demographic whose loyalty might be based on his surname, not his policies. But what will happen to the Liberal Party when that nostalgic generation isn't voting anymore? What will happen when someone named Trudeau doesn't lead it? The country is due for a cultural and political shift. Some Trudeau boomers may just live long enough to discover that the version of Canada they cling to was not to last forever. In the conversation, Sam Routley... Argues Alberta's political culture and history played a part in Jason Kenney's downfall. Routley writes Kenney's imminent resignation as Alberta Premier shows that even leaders with track records of success can fall victim to unpredictable crises, poor leadership choices, and the unspoken norms of provincial politics. He not only faced an unprecedented crisis, but dealt with a profoundly contrarian wing of the Alberta Conservative movement. Alberta provincial politics is a gamble. And although leaders have the potential to become era-defining personalities, think Ralph Klein or Peter Lougheed, they can also be quickly cast aside. Kenny's fall from grace is a vivid illustration of the volatility of the province's political landscape. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will meet with long-term care residents in Saskatoon— And make an announcement, he will also meet with students and researchers at the University of Saskatchewan and visit a local daycare facility and meet with families to discuss early learning and child care. Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino will make a funding announcement in Halifax under the Crime Prevention Action Fund. And Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will make a virtual infrastructure announcement along with Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic LeBlanc. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, May 25th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.